Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, get going here on the third, the third way healing comes. The third way healing comes. Now, I talked to you a little bit about it. The third way is, fr- is faith. Now, faith comes through two different ways. One way faith comes, faith comes through fruit. Galatians 5 says, in the Holy Spirit is the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, and it says uh, the fruit of joy, love, peace, hope, faith, and long-suffering. Long-suffering is translated from the old English version as, as patience. So there's nine fruits of the Spirit. So if you are born again and the Holy Spirit lives in you, that's the only way you can be born again, if the Holy Spirit's living in you, then therefore all the nine fruits of the Spirit are in you. Now, you may not be accessing them. You may not be accessing joy, which is different than happiness. Happiness is based on what's happening. But joy is of the Spirit of the Lord, and it's residue, and residence is in you. So the way you access joy, which endures through the morning, the Bible says, right? The joy is our strength. Joy is deeper and more powerful than happiness ever could be. And what joy does is when you release joy, how do you release it? All these fruits are released through faith. And as you have faith to release it and you make a choice to speak it out over your life, you can access love at another level, joy at another level, peace at another level, uh, uh, faith at another level, hope at another level. You You can express all these things and you have a right to speak joy over you because joy is of the, not only the nature, but an article, a part of the Holy Spirit. It's part, an attribute of the person of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit lives in you, his attributes are love, joy, peace, peace, temperance, meekness, kindness, uh, whatever, kindness, patience, long-suffering, and faith. So any one of those you're believing for, you can, you can have access to. Okay. Now, well, I'll just go on without this because I get into this. I'll, I'll just stay there. So, so the other way that you access faith, how? You access faith through the gift of faith. And that's whenever it's not just the faith we have. So you have a natural faith that every person has. Then you have the measure of faith, which comes as part of the fruit of the fruit of faith, the fruit of the spirit, and that's found in Romans 12, about verses seven or eight, where the apostle Paul said that to everyone is given what a measure of faith. So that's how you access all the other things. We've all been given a measure. Jesus even said, if you just have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you can do anything. All things are possible. Now, as we look into that and realize that then there is the gift of faith. And when we look at the gift of faith, we find that in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 11, verses 1 through about 9. They are given by God and the Holy Spirit through the authority of Jesus. and, And we have nine gifts of the Spirit. And one of those gifts is the gift of faith. Now those nine gifts that's listed there are not our natural faith 
They're not the fruit of this Holy Spirit's faith. They are God's faith. God's healing. God's discernment. God's gift of wisdom and knowledge and miracles and signs and wonders. All nine gifts are not our gifts. We have a, a, a right for healing through the atonement of Jesus I shared with you over the last two weeks because of what he hung and suffered and died for on Calvary it was not only for your forgiveness of sin, but it was total salvation. And by his stripes, you were healed by his wounds, his transgressions. You know, your sin was forgiven, but you were healed. So we see in the atonement that we have healing rights just as we have salvation rights. So you can walk in what's called divine or godlike healing. That doesn't mean you won't battle sickness. That doesn't mean you won't battle the curse of this world. But you have a right to stand and believe for your healing. And we're going we're gonna to get into that here in a moment. So when we look at these different kinds of faith, it's interesting. Because you have the fruits of faith, then you, which is faith that God gave us through his spirit. And then you have the gift of faith, which is his faith. Today we're going to focus on those, the fruit of faith. The faith that every believer has. At Romans 12, every believer has a measure of faith. So if you come up to me, Josh, and said, Pastor, can you pray for me? I say, yeah, I can pray for you need. Well, I just need uh, help. But I, well, well, let's believe. Well, I know. Can you pray for me? Because I, I just don't have any faith. Then I'd have to look at him and I would have to say it. I could think it and pray for him anyway. Or I could say, well, that's not true. Are you born again? Yes, I'm born again. If you're born again, there is a measure of faith somewhere in you. In your darkest time, your darkest hour, the height of your success or the depth of your failure, there's a measure of faith in you. You can take a mustard seed and put it on the end of a pen the tip of a pen, that's how small a mustard seed is. And Jesus said, even if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can, all things are possible to them that believe. So it doesn't take much faith. It just takes getting rid of that unbelief. That's all. And that comes through the word, through the presence, and through faith. Okay? So let's, let's get into this. Let's see where I'm at here. I don't hold you too long. Let me go first of all. First of all, let's go into scriptures here to Mark 9. Mark 9, and I won't spend as much time because I used this as an illustration in the first week of teaching this to you. So I'm going to talk to you about the five measures or levels of faith found in the scripture. Five levels or measures, we'll call them measures. Five measures of faith found in the scripture. Now, whenever we look at, uh, well, uh, Mark Mark 9, let's look at verse verse 17. Let's jump over here to verse 20. Well, let's look at verse 17. Help me, Jesus. Okay, the one, the crowd, say, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has come, come, who has a mute spirit. He can't speak, can't hear. Verse 18, and whenever it seizes him, he had seizures and stuff, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now remember, he just commissioned his disciples to go heal the sick, cast out devils, set the captives free, and they were going city to city doing that. And they were having great success, but for some reason, this one man, they couldn't have success with his son. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless, 
faithless generation. How long will I be with you? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I hear, bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed. It is because, you know, the devil will act out. See, a lot of times you go, well, man, it got a little crazy or a little weird. You know, pastor was anointed or the worship was anointed. And this distraction happened and that. Well, the devil, he'll, he'll manifest. It doesn't mean he's possessed someone. He'll find ways to cause all kinds of human disturbances. He'll just have someone that doesn't give attention or respect to the things of God. Get up and move around and do goofy stuff. You know, so, so you know what you do? You just need to pray then and bind whatever spirit's trying to interrupt what God's trying to do. You have authority to do that. Uh, that's, we're, we're setting a house up here that can not only set us free, but set the city free. Amen. So I'm just getting you ready. So said to him, uh, and it says, uh, verse 23, verse 22. Said, and he has often thrown himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But you can do anything. But if you can, but look now, look at this. You need to underline this in your Bible. So when you need to stir your faith up, go back to it. Verse 22. But if you can do anything. Now, who's he saying this to? Jesus, the Lord. Now, he knew he was the Lord. But how many of you know he's the Lord? Just wave at me. How many of you have the Holy Spirit living in you? That means you're in his family. He's not your Lord and Savior. He's your elder brother, Jesus. You're in the same lineage and line of royalty as he is. He said in John 14, you'll not only do the things that I've done, but what even greater things. Because see, the reason we can't, we don't see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, verse 23, if you can believe. Now look what Jesus did. He meets you at your place of unbelief and then he turns it back to you. He turns it back to you. So he meets you at your place of unbelief and he doesn't do that to accuse you. He doesn't do that, you know, to point you out. He's doing that to teach you and train you that you can have what he said. Amen. So he says, says to him, if you can believe what? All things are possible. And then he took it away from just that man. All things are possible to him that believes. So anyone that believes, he or she. Verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out. Me and you probably prayed this prayer a time or two ourselves. And said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Hmm. And once he did that, it says immediately when he cried that out, it says verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together. See, he waited a minute, Rick. He didn't just do it because he wasn't just doing it for the man and the child, even though he was, but he was doing it for the community. He said, let them all, he's, you know, in his own heart, he's probably thinking, well, he said, at, when they ran, he could have healed him instantly, but he waited to the people gathered. See, it's important to gather together. You'll see more miracles when you're together than when you're by yourself. And then he said this, he said, when people saw the people came running together, 
He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out. The spirit, out of the boy, cried out, convulsed him, caused the seizures, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, just lying there limp, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by his hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house... His disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. I taught you some on that during prayer and fasting. But here's what I want you to get out of this. This is the first measure of faith. It's the smallest measure of faith. And this is something I want you to realize. Like I pointed out in verse 22, he said, if you can do anything. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible. What's this saying? I want you to realize sometimes you don't have to have a lot of faith to get God to move on your behalf. Sometimes you can have the smallest amount. You can just like, Lord, if I believe, but can you help my unbelief? If you just take what little bit you have and put it with God, then he said what? All things are possible to them that believe. Everybody say the smallest measure of faith. Now let me go. I got to get moving quicker. I I got into that one. Okay. Let's look at the second one here because I want to at least highlight them for you. The second one is the second measure of faith. The second measure of faith. And uh, let's hit this in in, uh, Mark, Matthew, I'm sorry. In Matthew 8, uh, Matthew 8 verses 1 through 3. And I don't, let's see here. I went the wrong one. Matthew 8. Verses 1 through 3. Here we go. And when he had come down from the mountain, Jesus had great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and worshiped him and saying, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, what? I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. It was gone. Now look at this. Said uh, when the leper came and did what he worshipped Jesus and he asked him this question, if you are willing. So he didn't he didn't listen, the leper didn't question God's ability. He knew he was able. He questioned his willingness. I really believe that's the number one reasons Christians don't have faith or don't access, they have it, don't access the faith we need to be healed. It's, it's we, we, we know the ability, the power, and the attributes of God. He can do all, all things are possible through him at least. You know, God can do anything. But, but look here, the biggest question is, is he willing? Well, if he wills. What's that question? If I ask that question, if he's willing. And we hear it at funerals, and we hear it in pulpits all over our nation. If He's willing. Jesus was only asked that question one time. So why don't they research it? You know, everybody with all the alphabets after their name and theology. And just look, he only was asked that one time. Let's go by what Jesus said and let everybody else just be a liar. What did Jesus say? And Jesus was willing and he healed him. So when you, we ask the question, even though it's unintentional, when we ask the question, if he's willing, we're really questioning his nature. His heart. We're not doing it in an evil way. We're doing it out of our own unbelief. 
So, so does anybody believe in here that God is love? God is mercy. God is hope. God is joy. God is peace. Jehovah Jireh, he is my provider. Come on now, we can preach it, can't we? Jehovah Rohi, he's my healer. We can just go right on down the line. So, so we can go right, Jehovah Nisi, he's my banner. He's all these things. But when you need a healing, Lord, if it just be your will. So the same one that you're proclaiming his nature and who he is, now you're questioning the very nature you've been speaking. So it's important for us to understand, it's important to ask questions. Don't ever not ask God questions, but study them out and show yourself approved. Study them out, look them up, learn, listen to messages, listen to sermons, and and study and read and understand. So, So we don't want to get in a place where we're questioning his nature, right? He's the Savior. Well, we're going to question that next. I mean, what kind of cruel God would it be if he'd just say, it's your will, but it's not your wife's will to be healed. It's her time. Jesus out of here. I mean, that's a cruel God. I don't serve a cruel God. See, if the enemy can get you to think his nature is not always good, he can rob you from just about anything. But when you make your mind up, he is good. Jesus told us what? John 10, 10, the John 10, 10 line. You'll hear me say it almost every service. Jesus said what? He said what? Satan comes to do what? But kill, steal, and destroy. So that's his job description. Kill, steal, and destroy, doesn't he? But I, speaking of Jesus, came to do what? What's his mission statement? To give life and to give it more abundantly. Not just a poor, mediocre, get you through life, but an abundant life. Blessed life, favored life, a, heal, a healthy life, strong life. But see, you've got to trust his nature. Because, you know, you, know, you know, Josh, the number one reason Christians don't tithe, it's not that they don't believe it's scripture because they can read. They can read Malachi 3. And he said, if you don't rob me in your tithe and offerings, right? But what he did, he said, if you'll bring them to the storehouse, I will open up windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. There's not room enough to contain. In other words, you're going to have to dig more ditches for what I want to give you if you'll just obey me. He tells us in Proverbs, he says, he said, bring your first fruits to God. Bring your first fruits to the barn, to God. It's just so many places. Even Jesus was asked the question. He said, yes, you should tithe. Jesus did to the Pharisees. So... The only reason that we would not tithe is because we don't believe the true nature of God. Because the tithe, he didn't say give the tithe, the Lord said in Malachi 3. He said return the tithe, the 10% to me. Now listen, that's the basis, people. That's not the max. That's entry level. That's to get you going. (laughs) And the reason is he lets you keep 90%. And he wants to put an extra blessing on your 90%. So the reason I said that is this. The only reason we don't tithe is because we don't believe or trust the true nature of God. 
We don't trust his heart. Well, I got to take care of myself because I know that preacher. I got to tithe and I know the preacher got me all condemned. And no, not condemned. It's called conviction. <laughs> it's called the light turned on. You're not in the dark. But here, here, look. See, if I don't, if I trust the nature of God, then I'm going to trust him over the electric company. I'm going to trust him over my bills or anything else. Now, there's wisdom in how to do that. You need to pay your bills. You need to do all that. But I got to ask you, who's your trust in? Who, who, who are you trusting in? And that's why we have financial peace. And that's why we have ABC financial uh, teaching and groups. And why? Because we want you to learn how to get a system to start paying credit cards and debt. And all. we don't want you to not pay your bills. But you've got to start somewhere, at least start believing and accept truth. And repent and pray for God to open you a door. I tell you, you, you set a goal to tithe. And, and doors are open for you. you. You set a goal to pay your bills, you'll get out of debt. But you've got to set a goal. And God will multiply it. Anyway, we're just what? Talking about, you want to know what God loves and hates? Read the red written in your Bible. Because whatever Jesus loved and hated, that's what God loves and hates. He's just God in the flesh, that's all. Let me give you the third one here real quick. Third measure of faith is also found in Mark. Uh, it was found in Mark. Mark 8. Verses 22 through 26. So we see the second level of faith was what? Willingness. Is God, is it his will? Is he willing to help me? We found out he is willing. Now let's look at the third measure of faith. This is interesting. Mark 8, 22 through 26. A blind man gets healed in Bethsaida. Look here, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him what? To touch him. Look at this, what did they do? They asked, they begged what? God to do what? Do what? Touch him. Have you ever asked God to touch you? Have you ever asked God to touch your kids, your family, your finances, your health, your city, your nation? Huh? They did what? They asked God to touch him. So he answered, verse 23. So he took the blind man by the hand. Look, he meets you where your faith is. See, the last man, he met him where his faith was because what? He believed in God's ability, but not his nature. And he showed his nature to the man and healed him. So now the man could believe in his ability and his nature. So now this man, he's meeting him where he's at. This man's saying, if he would just touch me, I could be healed. So Jesus meets him right where he is because he's demonstrate who he and the father is. And it said that, so he took him by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And the man looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Verse 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he restored and saw everyone clearly. So, so what happened here? We see that this is the third measure of faith. And this is, Lord, if you would just touch me, I could be whole. Just like the woman touched the hem of his garment. Remember, she went through the crowd, the, you know, the Samaritan woman. And she got there and he said, wait a minute. And his disciples were like, what, 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 Lord? He said, Virtue went out of me. Virtue is rendered in the Greek language, the power, the anointing, the gifts of God, the power of God, the holiness of God. Poof. 
See, all these pictures, the King James, New King James says that people were thronging him. They were grabbing him as he was going through. And he had his head down and his disciples were around him like bodyguards. And they're just reaching to grab anything or touch anything. All those people touch him. But get a bunch of touching. But one woman, he felt, he stopped. I felt virtue go out of me. And she was healed of the issue of blood. Remember that she'd had all those years. Quite instantly. What? Her faith was it if I could just touch him. I can get it. Let's go to the third one real quick. So I at least want to give you highlights of these. Let's go to the third one real quick. So I gave you the first one, the second one. I got, it was early this morning, so I got my numbers mixed up here. Okay, let's look at the fourth measure of faith. Mark 6, let's look at three verses, verses 53 through 56. Is, anyone, is this helping anyone's faith this morning? Mark 6, verses 53 through 56. It says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. They ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry out on beds. Look at this now. On beds, those who were sick to whatever they heard, to wherever they heard he was. Verse 56, wherever he entered into the villages, cities, or country. Now, this is plural, cities, right? Wherever he entered, villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. And what? Begged him that he might just, that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him, they were made whole. So we see here, let's see here, I think I got it mixed up. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I just want to get it right. Oh, the first one was, yeah. So the first one was if he would just touch, if they could just touch them. If he could, if the person could touch Jesus, the Lord. This time it's different. They're saying if he could just touch me, right? Or I can touch him. I got y'all mixed up. Second service will get it straight, won't they? I've had kind of a stressful night. I'll tell you about it in a minute. So, so, so the, the third one, I'm sorry, is the opposite of this. If he will touch us. Now, the fourth measure is they're coming to him saying, if we can just get out there and touch him, like the woman did to him in the garment. If we can just touch him, we shall be helped. See, there's times you, you just have faith where if he could just touch me. Lord, if I'm just in the service, if they'd just call me out and pray for me, you're, you're trying to get it out. But this is where they had the faith, I'm gonna touch him. If I can just get near him, I'm gonna, if I can just get near him, I'm, if, he, if I can just grab him, he don't have to grab me, I'm gonna get mine, right? I'm gonna get my healing. So that's the fourth measure. So what we see here is there's a healing grace available in the person of Christ. And if we can just touch him, we can access it. So they beg to touch him. Let me give you the final one. We're going to pray. I know I'm, I don't want to go too long here. The final one here. Fifth one. The fifth one. It's the centurion. The centurion soldier. I know I got it in here somewhere, somewhere. If I don't, I'll just teach it to you anyway. I got it somewhere. It's all right. I'll just teach it to you. I was in a hurry. It's all right. So anyway, so the centurion soldier, what did he do? He came, he came, uh, 
to Jesus. Jesus is walking and he's getting ready to go heal someone else's child and the crowds are there and the centurion soldier basically stepped out and said, Master, can you heal my servant? He's at home unto death. He's dying. He's sick. And the master saw his faith. Jesus saw his faith. And when he saw his faith, what did Jesus say? He said, let's go. Take me to your house and I will heal him. And what did the, the soldier say to Jesus, who wasn't an Israelite, wasn't a child of God. He was a Roman soldier, centurion, officer. And he said, no, master, my, my roof is not worthy for you to come under. I'm a man in charge. I'm a man of authority and a man under authority. I say to this man, he goes and this man, he comes and whatever I ask them to do, whatever I say, they do. Cause I'm a man under authority and I understand authority and you are my Lord. And whatever, all you got to do is speak the word and my servant will be whole. So look how we went here. We, we went all these different levels of you know, if he'll touch me and if I can touch him. And then we work our way all the way up to this fifth level, which is the greatest faith. And the greatest faith is say, Lord, just speak your word and I'll be healed. Now, it doesn't mean it's spoken through a man. It says in Psalms that his word healeth thee. See, he is the word. So when you find scriptures that talk about your healing and you begin to speak them out, you have an authority to command the blessing of God on your life. I see God's touching your heart, brother, right now. I just see like right in this area, your chest right there. I just see. But, but anyway, so, so, so here, you as a believer have an authority to agree with and speak that word over your body and see it healed. You have an authority to speak over mountains. You have an authority to speak over situations and see God move. He said, Lord, why? But here's the key that makes all the fifth measure work. Here's what makes it all work. He understood that the kingdom of God, which is bigger than any kingdom, worked through understanding the way its authority operates and submit to it, be obedient. Because true faith is not faith without obedience. Remember Saul went and did all these things, but he disobeyed God, right? And he lied and all that. And he told Samuel, well, I did all this. I'll go and do what God said. He said, no, no, no. He said, obedience is greater than sacrifice. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. This is to the anointed king that was prophesied. So God's no respecter of persons. He loves everyone, respects everyone the same. But his word is true. His word is true. So the greatest realm of faith is when you get yourself in alignment and understand the authority of the kingdom of God. And you come into that and submit yourself to the authority of God and his covering. And as he covers you, guess what? It puts you in a position. That word position is topos, position of opportunity. It puts you in a position of opportunity to believe for what you couldn't believe for. Speak for what you couldn't speak for. Grasp hold of what you could never grab hold of. I, I remember with the Rosa Bombs back here a number of years ago, we were sitting at lunch one day and you told us something you were believing for. And I think it's came to pass a huge miracle 
for your family, affect the whole generation. And, and you know what? But you all would not let go of that word. Even when it looked in a natural, it wasn't going, you were bulldog faith and God's rewarded you for it. But they had the understanding that if I can speak his word, I get his word, I come into agreement with it, I submit to it, I come under it, but I proclaim it, I announce it, I confess it, and I believe it, then I can receive it. And here's the thing. A lot of people, when they don't see it in the first day or the first month or the first year, they're like, well, well, then you're not believing. No, it's when you do that, you will feel the anointing and you'll know it's finished. Now just start praising God for it. Just like for those boys, you're just thanking God now. Just get in your car. You know, the cool thing is you can say, okay, every morning when I get up before I brush my teeth, I'm going to thank God for full restoration of healing my sons. When I turn my car on, my ignition on in the garage, I, one more time, I'm just going to have gratitude to you, Lord, because gratitude is the key to everything. I just honor you. Thank you for what you're doing for my family and my boys. When you close the door at the garage to walk up to your office, when you turn that office door, just, just again, I just thank you, Lord. I honor you for what you're doing for my family. And then do it when you go home and do it when you go to bed. Do it five or six times a day. Just find time. Set a time on your clock. There's something you're believing for. You don't have to ask again. Just have gratitude. Just be thankful. Because you enter his gates through what? Thanksgiving. And praise. What is praise? Gratitude. My mama said, just be grateful, son, for something. Just be grateful. Well, I didn't get what I want, but be grateful for what you got. Because if you're not going grateful for what you got, you're not going to have faith for what you want to get. Amen. Amen.